And I do that one, just because I enjoy it and because I'm curious. And I think that just makes me uh, a more well-rounded artist and human being. Yeah. But also it gives me so much more respect for what I do and for all the people it takes to create art. Hey everyone, it's your host, Senya. Welcome back to Chasing Artists, where we get to chat with artists and creatives from all walks of life, hearing their journeys of what got them where they are today. But before we dive into today's episode, just a quick reminder to please subscribe to the show. Whether you are listening on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, press that subscribe button so you can stay up to date on episodes. And a special plug for today's episode, the Kickstarter campaign for my first short film, Running With Wolves, is now live. You can donate by going to www.zenyafilm.org. That's www.xenjafilm.org. And clicking on the Donate Here link, or you can go to the description of this episode where you'll find a link to the Kickstarter page. We have some amazing rewards linked to set donation amounts, or you can donate an amount not listed by writing in your own number. This campaign is live until September 22nd, so head on over now to donate, unlock awesome rewards, and be a part of creating impact and elevating humanity through creative storytelling. I'm so excited for you to be joining me wherever you are listening. Thank you so much for tuning in every single week to Chasing Artists. Today we're chatting all things theater with actor, director, physical theater artist, and teaching artist Christian Ty Edwards. Christian Ty Edwards fell in love with theater artistry at a very young age, before he even knew the true meaning behind those words. An alum of the BA theater program at James Madison University, Ty finds great joy and fulfillment as an actor, director, physical theater artist, and teaching artist, and enjoys dabbling as a writer from time to time. Hi, Ty. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Zenya. Thank you so much for having me. So I'd like to start with how my guests and I have have met and I think it's funny we met like randomly through (laughs) Jody and then and then again we met uh we were doing the artist way together um but yeah (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. it was you know just one of those happenstance things you know we're both uh clients of Jody Bentley and uh met you know just through the airwaves you know being connected in that way and then I saw not too long after that uh, or maybe even before that, I started working for Jody, and then she put out some marketing that Jen uh, Jen was opening up her next artist way group, and I was like, this couldn't come at a more perfect time. And then I was like, oh wow, Zenya is her assistant. So hey, there you go. Yeah, yeah, and you're you're on the East Coast, right? Yeah, yeah, I am on the original lands of the Piscataway and the Anacostan people, which is Ooh. colonially known as Silver Spring, Maryland, which is just right outside Washington, D.C. Okay, cool. Yeah, I love how Zoom and and things going virtual has allowed people to connect from like all over. Oh, yeah, it's mind blowing. I, yeah, I couldn't have imagined the kinds of reach and the the people I would be able to be connected to because of that. Um, Yeah, one of the silver linings, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Ty, what drew you to theater as a kid? Yeah. Oh, going going back. Um, so 
as far as origin story goes, uh, like a lot of things in life, I think I was given this very specific lens to look through as a kid. And then as I grew up, I figured out the truth, <laughs> which I think the same can be said for lots of things we're taught as a, at a young age. But when I was really, really little, I was very imaginative, still am. Imagination was always wide open. I would memorize some movies, some favorite movies of mine as a kid, and pretty much reenact them end to end, and became kind of known, quote unquote, in my family for doing that. And everybody said, oh, he's going to be an actor one day, or you should become an actor one day. And through whatever journey that took, I had this very specific movie star, Hollywood-esque, you know, cliche look at uh, uh, lens that I was looking through for such a long time. Uh, I want to grow up. I want to be rich and famous, you know, limousines, live in Hollywood. I think I even had the dream of owning Hollywood one day, which is, wow, like, that's okay. That's bold. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a bold dream, kid. Yeah, nice. Um, <clears throat> but then I got to middle school and I actually started taking drama classes uh, and then eventually started auditioning for the plays and musicals that were happening there at the time. And I discovered even at that point, at that age, that I had it all wrong. Uh, and there was so much more to it than that. Um, and the magic of live performance. And I attribute that to just the feeling of it and doing it and it being very natural for me, but also the people I got to do it with, the teachers I had, and the guidance that I had, as well as the support and encouragement from family, friends, all that. And that has continued from that point all the way up to today through middle school, high school, college to today. I fell in love with it before I really knew what it was. Um, and once I really started to figure out what it was, the love only grew so much yeah. Yeah. Those connections and, and mentorships can really make a huge difference yeah. in, in our lives, especially at those those moments when we're pursuing something that we love. It can mm -hmm. I feel like it can either make or break it sometimes. Of course. And that's also not to say that it that it's perfect all the time or that the folks guiding you have everything right. You know, it's taking whatever comes, deciding what works for you. This is my this is my opinion and from my you know, perspective, taking everything that comes to you, deciding what works for you, what serves you best, leaving the rest, and uh, maybe even changing some minds. Uh, or maybe your mind has changed in many ways, or, or at least a few. And yeah, figuring things out, just figuring things out. Were you kind of like the one person in your family who did theater and arts? Or was it, were there other people in your family? Did it run in the family? Yeah. A little bit of both. So yes, I'm pretty much the only one who's pursued, at least that I know of. Uh, well, that's actually a really that's much that's a much more complex question <laughs> nowadays, actually, because there have been some circumstances throughout my life, uh, like from years ago, that are still having uh, causing things to be unfolded in lots of ways. Um, and so there are people in my family who've pursued careers and. Uh, other aspirations in art in, in the arts, uh, mainly in the form of writing. 
mm. whether it be poetry, novellas, books, uh, stuff like that. Music is in my blood on both sides of my family. My dad was a musician. He was a rock and roller when he was young. He was a front man for a rock band and a country band too. And in the country band, funny enough, his dad, my grandfather was the drummer at the time in high school was known as being the music guy, the guitar guy, the singer guy. My mom was a, was a choral singer uh, and also did drill team and stuff like that, you know, for like football games, whatever else. My grandmother on my mom's side was a trumpet player and my grandfather on my mom's side was a banjo player, completely self-taught and even won awards for playing banjo. Uh, and so things all around, music's all around. And it's funny because I have to work harder at being a musician. Uh, it didn't come as naturally to me as uh, as those folks in my family. But hey, you know, generational skips, whatever else. But as far as acting and theater, stuff like that, um, the only thing that I know of currently that comes close is my dad did musical theater when he was in high school. And that was just because he was a singer. And he did one musical and then was kicked out of another musical. So that kind of <laughs> ended that kind of ended that. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think to date, I'm the only actor in my in my family. And I'm the only one actively pursuing the kind of career that I am. So, yeah, I think that's true. But it sounds like your family understands the arts and, and like the, the struggle of pursuing a career in the arts. Yeah, the ones who've uh, seen some success from it and who, uh, or if they don't necessarily have a career in it, they still do it for the passion of it. Mm-hmm. Even then, when it's when it's a hobby or it's a, it's just a passion, not, I don't want to say just, when it's a passion project, there's still, yeah, with any creative or artistic endeavor, there's still that kind of artist struggle. The, yeah. You know, the searching for inspiration moments of doubt, the wondering if it's worth your time at certain points of it. And then I will also say that at times I do feel like a black sheep. Yeah, if that if that uh, that uh, analogy still still rings true for anyone, uh, because there are lots of as well, a lot of things, if not most things in life, there are a lot of things that people perceive and think uh, that aren't necessarily 100 percent true. Um, surrounding, say, success, goals, finances, a whole slew of things, really. Um, and seeing like the one goal, say, being an Oscar winner <laughs> as being the only thing, but not knowing what comes in between, you know, not knowing anything about, you know, the underground theater scene or experimental theater going on in New York or D.C. or even regional theater for that matter, uh, not really knowing a whole lot about it. So they both understand and don't, but even when they don't, there's still love and support, which, Mm -hmm. uh, which, yeah. And I think those two can live together. Love and support and misunderstanding can all live together. What sort of productions were you primarily involved in, in in middle school and high school? Were you involved in like musical theater as well or or just straight theater? A little bit of everything. So I, uh, in middle school, when you did drama classes, you would do uh, class productions that got put on in like school assemblies and stuff. So I did that. Um, I got involved in the extracurricular 
curricular productions kind of late uh, in my final year there. Uh, we did the a one-act play in the fall, uh, which got to, uh, was taken to competition and did all that stuff. And then musical in the winter, spring time. And that pattern really followed me through high school as well. So uh, I did I did a little bit of everything. Um, once again, that still ring, uh, rings to, true to this day. And I do that, one, just because I enjoy it and because I'm curious. And I think that just makes me a more well-rounded artist and human being. Yeah, but also it gives me so much more respect for what I do and for all the people it takes to create art, right? Especially professionally. Yeah, definitely. What influenced your decision to go to school for theater? Yeah, uh, I think, well, honestly, I think that was with me for as long as I can remember. It's kind of like, you know, you have this goal. I've been, I mean, truly, I've wanted to be, uh, I've wanted to be an actor since I was at least five years old. Uh, And as you go on in life, you're like, okay, how do I reach that goal? And now I don't necessarily believe that you have to go to college to pursue anything <laughs> uh but uh but uh, but especially a career in the performing arts but i will say it sure helps <laughs> and i mean that in the sense that if you find the place that is right for you in terms of a college or university where it's like what they are offering you and what you're able to learn there really just fascinates you intrigues you makes you excited then that may be something to listen to and I found that in where I went to school at James Madison, uh, JMU, go Dukes. Uh, <laughs> um, and it was interesting because JMU is in my hometown. So I was a, I was a townie at the school, uh, but I immediately left home because I was desperate to get out on my own. And many times it felt like I wasn't in my hometown. I was, I was, you know, I was in the JMU bubble, but I got to learn so much from so many wonderful people. I learned about the kind of artist I wanted and want to this day to be. I also learned what kind of artist I do not want to be. I learned what kind of educator I do and do not want to be. And while teaching me so much, it gave me a curiosity and a thirst to learn so much more that I couldn't get there. So knowing that a part of my journey is to get out of that place eventually and find other teachers, mentors, creative outlets to just keep furthering my artistic journey. And I think that's a lifelong thing. Uh, Learning is a lifelong thing. And I come to terms with it more and more every day that, you know, it it never stops. And nobody really tells you that, or at least, or maybe they do. And there's no way to actually learn it until you experience it. It's like, okay, I graduate college what happens now? (laughs) Uh, Or I have this, or I have this specific goal in mind or this plan, like my plan was to move up here to DC. But the year in between my graduation and that happening, I didn't know what was going to happen or what was supposed to happen. And I just figured it out, fumbled a lot, tried to sort some things out. And uh, once I got into a certain spot that led me to something else, which leads me to something else, which leads me to figuring things out and I and that's just my experience but I think a lot of people find that they find that they fall into certain things or they just uncover something unexpectedly and it can be it can be really cool when that happens 
it sounds like theater and acting has really been a constant. Have there ever been times when you've kind of fallen out of love with it? That's a fantastic question. And my answer might even change day to day. But in this moment right now, what I think is most true for me is that there have been times both long ago and more recent where I felt falling in and out of love, having a complicated relationship, say, with the industry. And also, if we want to think about it this way, in and out of love with being an actor but I've ne- and an artist, but I've never stopped wanting to be and loved being a storyteller. I was very fortunate to study while I was at university with a with a powerhouse of a professor named uh, Dr. Bessie Mohanja, and she taught a class on African oral literature. Uh, it was a class on storytelling, and it was like the class on storytelling, <laughs> and that changed my entire perspective on what it means to be an artist, an actor, a storyteller, and that all three of those things are different. Mm -hmm. An actor can be an actor and perform to no one. There are probably people out there who would disagree. Um, Sometimes I may even disagree with that, but there's that. An artist can create art and keep it up on a shelf or locked in a cabinet and still be called themselves an artist. But a storyteller implies community. A storyteller implies I sharing. It, It implies sharing. Um, and just makes me strive for so much, uh, makes me strive for something so much deeper in my work. Um, and I think a lot of actors get out of touch with the storytellers in them because they're chasing down status mm-hmm. or they're chasing down notoriety. They're chasing down, you know, acclaim. And I think, and that kind of vanity I see sometimes makes me, you know, makes me, you know, makes me kind of uncomfortable and question some things, but I never, ever have. And I don't think I ever will fall out of love with being a storyteller. Yeah, I love that. Yep. Can we talk about your process with acting, directing and physical theater each, like from step one to a final curtain? Just what's your personal (laughs) process? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's so interesting. And it can change and I think it should change. I think it gets to change depending on what you're doing. But it's always for me first examining what the thing is. Um what it actually is, what's the history of it, why does it exist? I studied dramaturgy uh while I was at school as well and the dramaturg's three questions are why this thing or this play, this film, this whatever for this audience at this time, you know, why now, why here, why, why this, why these, why this audience, right? So I approach it in that mindset and just see, um, I see who's there as far as the characters, what the story is being told. And then I get to work, you know, diving into my character, doing whatever research is necessary, reading the play as many times as possible or the, the film, the script as many times as possible learning what other characters say about my character, filling in any gaps, you know, getting to let my, again, let my imagination run wild on those things that uh, are not given to me by the author. Uh, And I also 
and you do your typical actor's homework. You know, what's my objective? What's my <laughs> obstacle? What are my tactics? All that good stuff. Look into the environment of the play and the environments of the scene, getting detailed on those. Uh, and I also spend, just because of how I work, spend a lot of time looking into the physicality and the voice of the character. And that can be through many different things. It can just be literally me trying out a gesture. It can be me changing posture. It's that process of figuring things out and seeing what works, what doesn't work, what the director says is that they're liking and what serves the whole vision of the thing um, and what maybe doesn't. Or I could be very, very technical and explore some things through a Laban lens or through Anne Bogart or Mary Overly's viewpoints. I could uh, have a lot of fun and do some clowning with it. I don't think I've had to do this yet, but I could, you know, do some mask work with something when it's not necessarily a, a deliberate part of the process, right? Uh, but, but for my own creative exploration. And of course, uh, these things don't happen without collaboration. So speaking with my fellow actors, you know, if we can, getting together at some, at our apartments or whatever, uh, running through things, trying things out, expressing ideas and doing the same with the director, the team. Yeah. And I think that just makes everything so fun. And we lean on each other. Uh, we lean on each other to create this work. Uh, and that's how I like to work as a director as well. I want any and all ideas, wherever they may come from. Have you had times where you've been an actor and you've felt there's been like a lot less freedom in you getting to explore and you're, it's more of like kind of like tyrannical directing? <laughs> I don't, I, I would say one, I'm still pretty young and uh, there's still lots of experiences for me to have. And because of that, I think I'm very lucky in many ways. I don't think so. They're very close friends and colleagues of mine have had those experiences. And they were in situations where I could have been in that situation. Had I, say, auditioned for the thing, got cast in the thing, whatever. But I don't think I've been affected by something like that directly, which is both a blessing and a curse. Those situations can be very, very hurtful. They can, they can really cause some damage to a person, depending on the severity of the situation and the circumstances of the situation. But sometimes they can also be the, the fuel or the compost for movements, mm. right? Uh, and for creating some real systemic change. Um, so in a way, uh, part of me felt like saying uh, that it's necessary, but it's also like there are many things that happen in those situations that are absolutely unnecessary and should not happen. Uh, so it's, it's a very complex thing. And these, and these, and these kinds of questions, they always are. Um, but to simply put it, I have not been in those situations. I do my, I'm doing my best to know that if I ever do get in one of those situations, what to do to fix the situation or to get out of the situation um, and to support my colleagues and peers and friends when they might be in those situations and maybe informing them, hey, would you try this or is it worth staying? Mm -hmm. 
Because if it's not, nothing is worth your mental, physical, emotional health. It's just not. It's just not. Nothing's worth that. No job or critic acclaim or whatever is is worth sacrificing a piece of you. It's not. So, um, yeah, very lucky in that regard. But um, not to say that it won't ever happen. Yeah. What's physical theater? I've actually never heard that term. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, and it's a very, it's a, it's a that too is a complex and <laughs> very fun and exciting thing. Uh, so, physical theater is there are many ways to say it. I guess physical theater is uh, an approach to theater and storytelling that is much more somatic. It's very much trying to get away from the psychology and getting into the body. Physical theater can take many different forms and many things can fall under the umbrella, if you will, of physical theater. So uh, certain plays or performances that utilize a lot of modern dance or dance in general could be called physical theater, but there's also something known as dance theater. So lines are a little blurred right there. the work that's done by Synetic Theater here in the DC area, they do, they are a physical theater company. Their specific technique uses, uh, utilizes a lot of uh, Georgian mime, pantomime, uh, also clowning and acrobatics and body isolations, stuff like that. Um, physical theater could also be, uh, you know, uh, mime theater and clowning and mask work, commedia dell'arte is physical theater. Yeah, and uh, a lot of work done by the company Frantic Assembly is physical theater. Uh, Curious Incident of a Dog in the Nighttime that I believe was on Broadway a number of years back, that could be considered a piece of physical theater. Uh, One of my favorite pieces of physical theater that I've ever seen, there's two. One was Synetic Theater's production of Hunchback of Notre Dame. And they're famous <laughs> in these parts for uh, doing Shakespeare without words. Ooh. Which, yeah, which, yeah, Shakespeare is known for his language. So what happens when you take the, the spoken language away and put it into the body? Uh, and they did that with Hunchback. And that was a mind-blowing piece of physical theater. Yeah, yeah, love it to this day. And then there's another play called Love Song done by Frantic Assembly. Uh, and that and that utilizes what a lot of people would call modern dance, and 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 it is it's dance, um, but it's intertwined and interwoven into a story that has text and what we uh, acknowledge as modern day theater, and you could in essence even say things done by uh, you know the physical comedy uh, heroes of 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 film and TV history, you know, Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin. Uh, Lucio Ball, Abbott Costello, Jerry Lewis, um, all these people are clowns. They are, they are clowns. It's what they do. It's what they're doing. And it's physical theater. It's physical comedy. Physical comedy is a part of that. So there's all that. Uh, and I, again, I'm still working to have my own definition or to create a definition out of all the definitions that are out there. Um, but simply put, if I had to put it simply, uh, physical theater is storytelling with the body, mm-hmm. emphasizing the body, telling the story. I love that. Have you found that it can, like, as I just think about um, 
life in general. And sometimes like when you need to just get out of your mind, you get into the body and it, it's a major mm-hmm. shift. Have you found that that's just like, it can almost be like an immediate response in for acting and for physical theater? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think the cure for anything that just makes your mind spiral out of control is to ground yourself and be get back in touch with your body. Yeah. Some of the most profound experiences I've had just as a human, not necessarily even in arts or storytelling, but as a human, uh, happened because I got back in touch with my being, you know, and got out of head, out of my head and into my body. And in moments where I've been exploring or creating or playing, I find those states of flow and of, uh, where things are happening instinctually and just flowing from one thing to another and all inhibitions seem to be lost where when I was doing something very, very physical and very in touch with my body, and I was one with my body and my being, those experiences from my perspective uh, can change you and can heal you and can open your mind and your imagination to things you didn't think possible. Um, Yeah, so they can both make you just go out there and bring you back to earth as well. Yeah, that's powerful. I think so. I think so too. So let's talk about teaching. When and uh, when and yeah. how did you get started teaching? Yeah, yeah. Teach. Uh, that's I kind of fell into that, honestly. If I'm being totally honest, and uh, and teaching is something that I do these days uh, very much on the side, um, but I still have a passion for it. Um, so I started actually teaching my senior year of college. I was a TA for numerous classes, basic acting classes, uh, voice for the stage class, an intermediate acting class, which was primarily scene study, an introductory theater class, which was like the general education theater class. That was a huge in a big lecture hall, had a team of TAs and two professors. And, the, and part of that class was also doing rotations on specific topics. Um, so I got to teach and lead and even... <laughs> And even grade, uh, <laughs> and in uh, the in those situ- in those situations, and it was fantastic because I got an outside view of what was going on and how professors did things, and got to have the experience of actually leading and teaching specific classes when either given the opportunity or I even sort of kind of subbed a couple of times, and yeah, it was very very valuable experience. Now I've never received any formal training. As an educator, I am not a licensed teacher. I'm a teaching artist, you know, but I also have no desire to teach in public school. (laughs) There's just that. Uh, And then uh, my first job when I got up here to D.C. in the D.C. area was uh, at my home, my home base, uh, Keegan, Keegan Theater in DuPont Circle as a teaching artist. And there I taught little ones from uh, kindergarten up to fifth grade. And then I also taught workshops in spoken word theater or slam poetry to middle schoolers, which I really loved doing that. I really loved doing that. But I would say my wheelhouse, my zone of genius turns on more with older kids. So middle school, high school, and also beginners or pre-professionals. So adults just starting out, uh, folks in college, freshman, sophomore year, you know, those are the age groups and the the uh, the folks uh, in the in those specific parts of their journey, you know, beginning and really getting curious and wanting to explore, those are the folks I really love to teach. Yeah, 
And uh, as of right now, I'm mainly only doing private lessons, but uh, or doing workshops for various friends and companies, stuff like that. But uh, you know, it'll it'll keep being a part of my part of my journey, and I'll uh, and I'm working to keep getting better and better at it. Yeah, something I fell into that I found that I really enjoyed doing. And oh, and I will say, I think the interest actually did come about in my basic acting class in college. Because, you know, at that time, your mind's wide open to whatever could happen. And so I was studying my craft. But at the same time, I was like, you know, it would, I think it would be kind of fun to teach an acting class like this, how my teacher is doing. Yeah, it was that time I started really falling in love with teaching artistry before I even knew what a teaching artist was or teaching artistry was. And that's also when I really started to fall in love with movement. Things just uh, awaken. Mm-hmm. You make those discoveries and it's like, oh, okay, let's see what's here. Let's see what's here. Let's try something. Yeah. What are some of the benefits and challenges of being a creative person teaching creativity? Teaching something helps you realize whether you truly know the depth of what you're doing or not. In order to educate someone on something, you have to really, really know it yourself. And I think that's huge because it allows me, because uh, for me, it gives me cause to really get back to basics and to almost be in constant review of what I've learned. You know, um, I'm trying to get to a point now where I can regularly dig back into my big box of notes and files and all the stuff I've saved from college and other places uh, and be able to pull this out and say, oh, yeah, I remember this. And I can I learn or relearn this or learn more about it? So, yeah, it makes you a better artist being an educator, because a goal of mine as an educator is to make the, my student the best artist they can possibly be. In order for me to do that, I have to be the best artist that I can possibly be. And then out of that, you know, some challenges are, I would say, being up to date on a lot of things. But, uh, you know, that gives you the challenge of doing that for your own artistic pursuits. But also the challenge of uh, when you don't know something where you're just straight up like, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, we should be honest and say, I, I don't know. But I can point you this way and I will figure some stuff out. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's all healthy challenge. It's all a healthy challenge being an educator. And it also reinforces what you do, uh, you know, what, what, uh, what I do as an actor, you know, a professional communicator in a, in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, so yeah, uh, challenges, but there are those good, healthy, professional challenges. Yeah. That ultimately mm-hmm. like you grow and learn from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also what I'm doing right now is really, really cool. And what I do as a teaching artist is really cool because there's lots of stuff you don't have to necessarily deal with. Say if I was a, a public school teacher or I was a, or if I were part of some very hierarchical thing. Right. Um, yeah. And I don't have to grade papers and stuff like that. Uh, I could if I really wanted to, but I don't want to. So uh, so there's that. Yeah. Yeah. There's more freedom in it. And especially if you do stuff on your own uh there are challenges that come with that you know running your own studio if you will like how i do but even then there's so much fun and uh freedom to be had uh to be had yeah Yeah. so what's next for you yeah yeah (laughs) the the big question (laughs) so right now yeah so right now i the big thing for me um other than you know keep on learning keep on training uh, 
and knowing that will never stop and learning more about myself as a human. Uh, um, the main thing in my focus right now is I'm currently crafting a solo show, a one-man show. Uh, and that's come a long way. Uh, it took me forever to start writing it, but I was in the right place at the right time and knew the right people that gave me, that made me feel empowered enough to start writing it. Um, and so it's coming together slowly but surely. And I think that it's starting to pick up speed and pick up pace in uh, crafting the whole thing. And I'm receiving some, like, I can't even put into words how phenomenal the guidance I'm getting is from the people I'm connected to uh, through Soaring Solo Studios, which is in California. And then my uh, my first solo theater teacher, if you will, uh, Priyanka Shetty, who is a phenomenal solo uh, solo performance performance artist. So yeah, that's the big thing in my in my mind right now. Um, and I'll be uh, really working at it this fall. Hopefully next year can start trying to get it up somewhere, uh, whether that be here on the East Coast or there's a chance, and I keep trying to put this out to the universe, that it will possibly debut at the Hollywood Fringe Festival. So we'll see. We will see. Um, and then, you know, if that were to happen, that'd be really, really awesome. And then a uh, more long-term goal is for me to tour it around, you know, East Coast, West Coast, to different universities and wherever, you know, wherever else will have me. Uh, because I think and I hope that the story I'm trying to tell with this uh, uh, will impact some people in, in, a, in a positive way. So, yeah, that's that's what's on my plate right now. <laughs> you want to share a little bit about what it's about or not yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the show was born out of a, an independent study I did in college, actually with Dr. Bessie Mahanja that came after her storytelling class and the independent study sort of kind of ended in total disaster oh, no. uh, <laughs> um but i i don't think these days i'm actually if this feels a little weird to say but i'm kind of grateful that it did because it taught me so much just the whole process taught me so much um and so essentially the story revolves around five different characters and each of the characters, if you put them together, make me. So there are five different pieces of me and it explores a lot of what I've experienced in my past, how these five different, uh, four or five different pieces of me get along and don't get along very well. And it's almost uh, an exploration of myself through each of their eyes. No way. But yeah, lots surrounding artistry, uh, what it means to be an artist, a storyteller, a human, a man for for me. Um, lots surrounding mental health and stuff like that. And yeah, the people who me are mentoring me say I've got something. So hopefully it's something. <laughs> well, I remember you reading a little bit about uh, oh, yeah. one of your, your <laughs> scenes. Yeah. And I, it was Oh my gosh, I was blown away. Like, I'm excited to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Um, okay, before we jump to final five, is there anything that I didn't ask about that you want to share? The question of younger self and older self, what would I tell to my younger and older self? We will get that in final uh, five. Will? We will, cool. yeah. <laughs> then, cool, excellent. 
Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, right. final five. Uh, I'm all good. <laughs> final five <laughs> is a uh, speed round, but it's also totally fine if it's not speed round. So <laughs> question one, what's been your favorite show to be a part of? Uh, I would say uh, Equus by Peter Schaffer. Cool. What's something you tell your younger and older self? Younger self? Uh, I know you're probably not going to listen, <laughs> but but even when things feel like they're going all wrong, there's a lot still going right. So try to lean on that. Yeah. You know what? I needed to hear that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And then older. Yeah. Yeah. Oof, goodness. Yeah. Me too. Every day. Uh, and my older self, I would say, uh, I would ask him, Hey, uh, how does the in-between work out? <laughs> because, because you remember how we felt when we got out of college. Can you just even give me a little something? Yeah. Tell me how to bridge these things together. That'd be great. Um, yeah, that's probably what I would ask him. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Um, yeah. If you were to explain theater in one word, what is it? Imagination. Mm, I love that. And do you have a dream role? For a long time, believe it or not, it was Mark Cohen in Rent. Ooh. And I would still love to play Mark Cohen in Rent. Um, but what is most true for me right now is the characters in my solo show. Yeah. Those are my dream roles right now. I love that. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being here yeah, and thank, chatting with thank us. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me on my birthday. So yeah. <laughs> I know. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks. This was a great way to spend it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have enjoyed your time today. Please take a minute to press that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play. And if you liked today's episode, please rate and leave a review. It would mean so much to me and it helps more listeners like you find this podcast. You can connect with our guests and myself on social media. All of our information and more is listed in the description of this episode. I'm your host, Senya. See you next time.